Welcome back to another episode of Corked Up. I'm Jessica Kleinschmidt. I'm Rachel Lou. <laughs> Cheers. I'm a little bit further from the camera this time around. When I have check out my wine glass this time. I know. And um, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I know you're OCD about literally everything. I'm OCD about wine glasses. Oh, because it changes how it tastes. I've taken classes on this before. And that's why airport wine is disgusting because, or airplane wine, I should say, because they put it in a plastic cup. So you think you're drinking a menage a trois, but when you drink it out of a plastic cup, it's not the same. And if does, you fly first class, you get a glass. Yeah. Well, that's what I see. I wouldn't know that Rachel. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know that. It's all about, listen, it's not like I'm paying for first class. I get upgraded because I fly Delta all the time. So. That's true. Fair. Don't, don't. Um, shout out Delta if you're in the mood to sponsor. Um, speaking of yeah. wine, what are we have two wine words today ish? So, what are those, Rach? Uh, our wine words are acquisition and acquired. Yes, ma'am. And the reason why we had a really fun discussion last week um, with the MLB trade deadline leading up to it, Mama, it passed. And I think we need to just drink because we've both, jokes on us. We thought it was going to be a slow trade deadline. And both you and I know these these discussions don't happen that week, right? A's acquired Mike Miner. They've, they've been looking at him for two seasons. So these, these things have always happened. So I was under the impression it wasn't going to be huge. And then, but so there were your, like, what, like, so I agree. It was, it was exciting. It was exciting because there were a lot of trades. A lot of players were moved. However, if you look at usually during a trade deadline, first of all, we see the big teams and the ones that are, you know, leading the race. We see, we would see like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Astros make big moves. We didn't really see that. We didn't see any of those big, big teams making moves. We saw the teams that, are you know fringe kind of guys in terms of making the postseason but because of expanded playoffs that went crazy right first of all i'm not going to call the padres fringe teams this year but you know the marlins um you know the obviously the padres made a ton of big moves but you also normally will see a ton of top prospects moves moved we didn't see that yeah. we saw even if you look at the padres i think it was like eight of their they kept eight of their top 10 top prospects and they got a ton in return. So a lot of it, I think, um, Antonetti commented on it, even with the Indians, they, it was more of a quantity over quality in terms of trades this year. And it was with a lot of the, um, middle tier kind of teams. We didn't see any of the big players making big moves. And that goes to show these Padres, like I, I'm like weird about the term rebuild. I think it's a gross term, but that's what they were doing. They were acquiring these big-ish names and they didn't have to give up their biggest names. And I thought that was really cool. So speaking of Padres, we can 100% say, shout out Mike Clevenger, who is now at the San Diego Padres. I feel like that was obviously the headline trade of it all. And I, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, the Padres, they mean business. But we talked about whatever happened and all of that. And the thing that I was curious about, and I just found this out, probably this week, um, the season's a little bit different when it comes to players to be named later. And I'm, I'm used to 
we find out the players to be named later, maybe within weeks. This season, it's a little bit different because there was the 60-man roster situation. So, Rach, tell me a little bit more. Say, for instance, there's one guy traded for two players to be named later. That could happen up until, like, next season, right? Yeah, so usually, so they'll, up until um, the end of the season, they get a, there's a, they decide on a date, right, that it has to be decided by, and then usually there's a cash amount that if they don't agree on the players, um, then instead they'll just get cash instead. But if it's a group of players, some now sometimes it's just like one player that they'll agree or cash and they have, you know, till that time to decide. And then some other times it's like, you know, maybe a list of five or 10 players. And, but those players don't know too, which I think is interesting that they're on the list of possible trade pieces. And so then, yeah, they get to decide um, who they want. Sometimes it's because they're not sure what position they need to fill and, you know, or they want a little more time to, you know, see how, you know, certain players are performing. So it gives them, you know, a little more flexibility for the team that has the PTBNL. Yeah. It's always kind of interesting because one of my favorite things I love to write, this is such a geek thing. And it was, I think it had to do with Jerkson profile when he went to the Padres. You want to tell about a dude needing a change of scenery. He's thriving right now. And his, his two players to be named later, one was Buddy Reed. I love writing player to be named later who ultimately his name was Buddy Reed. And I love writing that. I don't know why I do. I just like, it's one of my geeky things. So, and of course there's like Josh Fegley last year on his players weekend jersey had PTV and yeah. that was that was one of my favorites that one I mean there's been some good players I mean you have I know Michael Brantley was a PTBNL right and sometimes you know you think about it and it's it's kind of an odd thing to be the the player to be named later because it's almost like you know with a lot of these guys there there's some level of status that kind of kind of comes with being someone that was in a trade right because you were valuable to you know valuable enough to another team that they wanted you you know in exchange for somebody else and to just be nameless and not really get that recognition and no one really remembers usually after the fact when they decide on it no one really thinks like connects them with that specific trade um it's an odd thing especially when they end up being you know, the centerpiece sometimes of that trade. When you look back, like Michael Brantley was very much the Indians were on, they won that trade with Michael Brantley, who yeah. was just some PTBNL. Yeah. And I often wonder, that's like probably a good question. We should get a player to be named later on here to be like, did that fuck with you at all? Like, were you like, they didn't even want to say, and there's certain situations they don't know who you are yeah. for, at first. Right. But like when they do know, but they're not announcing it, does that make you feel like shit? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you're just not going to say my name. Like, I don't know. That's kind of an interesting perspective. I think usually though, they're, um, they're, they're normally, um, prospects or, you know, they're minor leaguers. They're not generally going to be, you know, big name MLB players. Um, right. so that's, that sometimes okay. you know, changes it a little bit, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. And it's yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and something that we were talking about before we kind of recorded, even though we're kind of already recording, um, like league status. So say for instance, you have a client or I see a guy and he's in the American league. Um, what's the scenario where you would have a discussion where he or she would say, 
I, mean, I say she, but we'll do MLB for for a, a moment. Like, do like he wants to stay in the American League? How how would that discussion go? If like the National League super hot right now, or vice versa? How would that discussion go? Yeah. So that. I think that's something that people don't generally think about, um, but it's something that's very real for players who, you know, during the the trade deadline, a lot of times the big name players that are, or just players that are really hot this season and doing really well, they're going to be, you know, hot commodities on the market if they're not with a team that is competing. And so what happens is they might be in the race for Cy Young. They might be in the race for MVP. If, and a lot of times a team doesn't want, you know, their teams don't usually like to trade in division, but, you know, they'll still trade within the same league sometimes. But, you know, there's plenty of times where you get traded from the NL to the AL, right? So to a, the, the other league. And when that happens, you no longer really are in the race for MVP, for Cy Young. And that sucks for these players because a lot of them, they currently were in the race and now they just, they don't have a chance because, you know, they can only use, they'll only use the stats from their AL performance at the end of the year when they're voting for Cy Young or MVP. And, you know, if you don't have at that point, they wouldn't have enough of the bulk kind of stats and numbers because they got traded midway through. So, I mean, look, a lot of teams, a lot of players that are going to get traded usually tend to be more of the guys that are on under team control that aren't on, um, you know, free agent contracts or with where they would have um, a no trade or a limited trade clause where they could prevent things like that. They could prevent from being traded into the other league if they want. Um, So, but yeah, there's not much they can do. Um, Obviously you can talk to the team and, you know, try to see if, if there is a way and, you know, depending on, I guess, their sentiment with the player at the time that they're going to trade away and how much they really give a shit, but um, whether they want to, you know, honor that or not and be respectful of that. But a lot of times like that's not going to matter to them, um, but it sucks for players for sure. And, and you mentioned that you mentioned sentiment, how much of that is not even involved because I feel like around the trade deadline, unfortunately, these guys are just a business decision, right? Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, what sentiments out the window. Yeah. It's interesting because both. So Trevor and Clevenger were talking about this, you know, the other, um, the other day, kind of just about Clevenger reached out to Trevor and was like, you know, man, this is so weird. Like I didn't, you know, now I'm in your position that you were in last year and just hearing the rumors and, just not knowing like every day, will I be in this city, you know, in two days, will I be traveling with the team to this city? You know, you don't really know. And you're hearing so much. And, you know, last year you had Trevor throw the ball over center field. That was his last start for the Indians. And then, you know, you had the whole debacle with Clevin Plesak and a lot of people will chalk up the trade to, you know, that, and it's, there's, just bad blood and they want to get rid of, you know, these guys to it. Look, Clevenger's value was high right now and what they could get in return. And they have a, you know, a stacked rotation. They have a lot of depth and young guys that are under, you know, team control and very cost effective. And, you know, Trevor's value last year was at his highest. If they weren't going to trade him 
in at the deadline, they were going to trade him in the off season mm-hmm. and his value would be a little less in the off season. So, you know, they were likely going to trade him no matter what, but you know, a lot of people will say it, you know, it was him throwing the ball over center field that they were like, that's it. But a lot of times, I mean, look, that could have, you know, made them feel like it's, it's really best. We just do this now and not wait. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it just, it's, it's just business. And yeah. I think it's a weird thing for players to go into, you know, the, your GM or whoever, you know, will call you into the office and just kind of say, all right, like it's very kind of cold, I think usually. And but I almost feel like that's a benefit in a way that way yeah. they're they saying it's not personal. Unfortunately, it is a business decision. I agree. Um, I think there's the other, you know me, I'm emotional AF, so I would never understand it. I'm like, do you not even like me? Like yeah. I would just be super, so I get that. But I think it's a weird thing because I think it makes, I think it makes sometimes players feel little like, was this just completely like disingenuine or did this whole relationship that we had because think about it like you know they're your biggest supporters like they're looking out for you your your family everybody and you know they like they're always promoting you and they're really proud of you and then suddenly it's just like we have nothing to do with you anymore like not our problem you're the other that you know you're this team and I and you forge a lot of really you know close relationships with the staff on your team and you know that's a good thing but then just to kind of like you move on and that's it and it's just business and look like a lot of industries stuff like that happens but um you know you I think sports teams you become very much a family with your team and the staff and just to cut ties like that and feel like you didn't have any like they just wanted to get, they wanted to give you up to get something better in return almost, or like a lot, you know, for the future or whatever. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to kind of think about. Yeah. I mean, like I've dated guys like that. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> but I, I, we're going to talk a little bit more about like that. I know we talked about it last week, but I have more questions about, you know, the trades and all, all, all of that overall. But one thing I was really interested in um, before we dig into the things that I learned about some of the A's moves that they made, David Forrest mentioned something and he's of course the A's GM and he made two trades throughout the AL West this time around. And Susan Slusser, queen, mentioned it. She's like, hey, like, did you realize that? Even Forrest was like, I didn't realize that. And I, the way the way he commented, I can't 100% speculate, but he said, you know, we do see them a lot more. And he mentioned this season specifically. So these guys are getting a little bit more in-depth looks. Like, we're not used to the A's playing the Rockies a lot, but they're doing that this season, right? So I was thinking, like, the season alone – there could have been a, like, maybe I can't hundred percent say that if it was 162 games, a normal season, would some of these moves be made? Maybe, maybe not. But Dave Forrest did say that Mike Miner was, was more than likely brought on because the A's, of course, they had a positive COVID test recently, and now they have to do a lot of double headers. So they can't have five guys in their starting rotation. So they have to have maybe, and if you want to call it a six man rotation, sure. But we have a guy like Chris Bassett who can probably come in and out of the bullpen, say with Mike Miner, they were smart. They would have Chris be the starter, which I think they will. So would that move have been made if there was no positive coronavirus test? So I wonder if there's a scenario where once again, it's an unprecedented season, but how is that going to value? And then we've talked about this last week, 
there's only 30, less than 30 games left for a regular season. So are some of these moves worth it? Considering a lot of people have these weird talks about how world series is quote, whatever this season. So are some of these like panic moves? Because like we said, we didn't think the MLB trade deadline was going to be as fast paced or intense as it actually was. So it makes you think because maybe that's, some of these moves wouldn't have been made. That, But that's why I go back to, it's all these teams that, you know, kind of look at it. They're in the, that middle tier that are, you know, I think they kind of feel like, let's just, let's just go for it. You know, anything could happen and they don't trade away. They don't trade away any, you know, top prospects. They don't get anyone necessarily of super high kind of caliber quality in return, but they get a lot. It was just a lot of quantity and just backup, like backup, you know, we might just need more arms and, you know, whatever it was less so of filling an actual like position positional need or something. And that's why I think you didn't see the big players like the Dodgers, like Yankees, you know, make any moves. And why was that? You know, because I don't think to them, it was, it was worth it. Whereas these other teams, I think they feel like, look, if I just, if, if I can just outlast everybody, if I just have enough arms because of how crazy everything is with the, with the schedule and COVID and games getting canceled and double headers and all the, all of this stuff. And we don't really know how an expanded postseason is going to play out. Like maybe if I just have the, the depth of bodies, then I'll be good. And I think that's why we just saw a lot of, and I'm not, not to say that there wasn't quality in these trades, but it was different. Yeah. And that's always, uh, yeah. So it just, it made me think, and I'm glad, I'm glad Forrest opened up to us with that because you're kind of like, oh, okay, this is not anything bad against Mike Miner. I really feel like he's, he was an all-star selection last year and yeah, I'm the queen of homeboy needs change of scenery because look at these guys who have been successful after that. And look at me, like I, I thrive when I go to a city next door, I can go out and drink in the bars before COVID and I don't have to bump into an ex. Like mom is thriving during that time. I'm, so. I'm all for change of scenery. It's why I don't stay in like one city for longer than five Exactly. Days, so. We love a change of scenery. Um, you made a comment to me last year or last year, last week. And we weren't friends then. <laughs> yeah, it's like we weren't even friends. I wasn't on Twitter last year. <laughs> and, um, and you made a funny, you, you mentioned like, I like to laugh at some of these rumors that happen. And the thing that sucks, mind you, I feel like I'm a little bit more further in my career where I can check in with agents and be like, is this true? Is it not? And you made a comment, like these things happen. So how do you handle rumors? I know how I do. Sometimes we know not, they're not a hundred percent full of shit, but if the A's and giants are mentioned, we have to write it. So last year when Bryce Harper was, you know, whatever, Literally, the Phillies were. We, I had a source say the Phillies were not going to sign him. I wrote the article. Boom. Heyman was like, "Well, there you go." So he's on the Phillies. So I'm curious when somebody approaches you with this, and obviously, I think we need a player to kind of confirm this. But how do you handle rumors? I think a lot of it depends on, I guess, the source of who I hear it from. I have a very small group, select few that I are, I trust as reliable sources that when they tell me something, they usually give me some sort of numerical, you know, value of certainty. That's the lawyer in you, mama. That's the lawyer 
in you. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I will only even give usually some weight to the, those sources. And then they'll usually give me like, okay, I'm, and I'm 69% certain that this is going to happen. Um, other than that, like I see, you see tons of rumors online, you, your players, you know, see rumors, they hear rumors. And I think it just always comes down to, first of all, who did you hear it from? You know, it's like in school when, you know, you're writing a paper and okay, where did you find that information? If you found it on Wikipedia, like it might not be like Joe Schmo in his basement could write that. Um, so, you know, just figuring out, look, who's saying it? Sure. Sometimes it's kind of fun to think about, well, why would somebody say that? And so sometimes there is some validity to, you know, the, I guess to the rumor in a sense. Um, but other than that, you just kind of have to like take it in and let it go and not really dwell on the rumors because, you know, even really reliable sources, again, like I was telling you last, um, last week with the trade with Trevor, I had a very reliable source of a scout telling me that this trade was going to happen. And that source was correct. However, it wasn't until the very last minute we found out it was with another, a third team. And so when I think Trevor's going to the Padres, he's actually going to the Reds. So, you know, there's, you just kind of have to, you never know until it happens. Um, and until it's like Twitter official, yeah. then you just, although even Twitter official sometimes is wrong. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I can't tell you the amount of times just in the last week where I was told this is off the record. This is off the record. This is off the record. And like, I'm lucky enough where I don't get off on breaking news. So I just don't care. But every now and then I'm like, Oh, I could have done that. A lot of it was with all these, um, you know, the boycotting and, um, of course the coronavirus stuff. I'm lucky enough where the boycotting, I, it was more or less like a selfish thing. Like, am I covering a game tonight or am I not kind of deal, you know? And obviously I respect the guys. I, I will do anything to let them know I supported whatever they do. And it turns out I was more busy not covering a game that night than actually covering the game. Cause I wanted Marcus Simeon's words to be, I wanted Tony Kemp to be heard and all this other stuff. But it was interesting to know that I couldn't give two shits. However, I don't like when it's like, oh, Jessica, you were wrong. And that's when, that's those are the times where I'm like, I wasn't wrong. He just came second place. Or yeah. you know, Bryce Harper almost went to the Giants. Giants are always the bridesmaids. So I wasn't wrong, but right. the Giants certainly shocked Bryce Harper. They were almost there. There, there's literally that's that's the problem though I think with Bryce Harper's name on it there is with a Giants uniform with Bryce Harper's name on it yeah but and that's what I think it's interesting with the media because I can see people if you ever put a rumor out there um about potentially something happening whether it's a player signing with the team or a trade you're right that people if you're wrong then you were just a bad source with just made up information that you lied to the public. Like that's how you're viewed. But if you think about it, and I mean, I know this, that the reason you got that information, like I said, there's a lot of times there's some, some level of validity to that rumor. And so people don't like, I get where you're coming from though. People for sure just think like, if you're not a hundred percent right, then you're 100% wrong. And you weren't even in the ballpark of possibilities. And so you suck at your job or whatever. Um, but it's true. I don't know. I don't ever get that. It's funny. Cause I never, 
I forget that that's such a huge thrill for media people is being the one to break something. Whereas I'm always, because people always come to me or media will come to me and try to get information. And I'm like, just chill. It's not that big of a deal. Like if, if you don't tweet it, somebody else will. And like, we will all know. So why are you, why do you, you have to be accurate before you have to be fast. And that's the one thing about the media. And if you look, and I'm, I don't really care, but like the boycotting with um, in the, with the Ranger or no Houston, I heard that information before it was public. So mama's article was done the moment they walked off of the field. Did I care? Did I say, oh, I told you so? No, because at that point, nobody gives you a waited fuck. for the podcast. To- yeah, I just, yeah, exactly. Like I just didn't care. And it's just, I want my, I genuinely was like, I want these guys to know I want to deliver their message. I don't care. And it was the same thing. Like I went to my Ranger source, it's a front office source. And I was like, is this happening or is it not? It was fine. It was, I I got off a little bit, but like at the end of the day, it was more or less like, I want to make sure my, my article's correct. And when it comes to rumors, you're right. There's so much out there. Not all of it's incorrect. Not all of it is correct, but it's just. You're just sitting there like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And then there's one asshole who like throws something weird out there and you're just like, well, wait a second. And then you have to like check and check and check again. And it's a whole thing. But so I respect the people that break the news. I really, really do. But it's just not my peanut butter and jelly. You know, I had peanut butter and jelly today. (laughs) I had it yesterday and chicken tenders twice in a row now, you know, we're killing it um, over here. Um, you mentioned Tommy Malone. We talked about this um, off, off the podcast. And it's funny because he's obviously he's a former A's guy. And I was more, I was so impressed with his ROI. They flipped him for two really great guys. And so, but we have to talk about the fact that 10 hours later, he was starting for I, the Braves. I tweeted that. I, so I went out and got dinner in Cincinnati um, visiting Trevor. And we are talking about, because Trevor technically could have been traded too. And so just kind of getting prepared and ready. And we're sitting there and I'm getting notifications on my phone and I'm getting notifications of like, you know, how bad that game was. And he barely makes it out. He doesn't make it out of what was it? The first inning. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, hold on. Didn't he just get traded? I'm so confused. Is he playing like what? And so I went and like, looked, I thought maybe, I don't know. I was so confused and I look and I find the, t- I was like, I swear he just got traded. And Trevor's like, well, like go find the tweet of the, who broke the news when the trade happened. So I go and I find it and figure out exactly the time of the tr- transaction. And it was like 10 hours earlier. And I was like, how is he? I think like everyone's shitting on him right now for having the worst, you know, like performance, like, oh, great. Is it too late? You know, if we, you know we kept the receipt, like, can we return him and blah, blah, blah. But I was so blown away at the fact that he's on the mound for a new team, 10 hours, not even a day later. He made the trip down. He got all new scouting reports, right? That he's not used to. He's working with a catcher that he's never worked with before. He's, he has an entirely new team, an entirely new set of procedures that he has to follow. You know, he's got to get, you know, just move his whole life. And he just does this all in 10 hours and now, and I'm sure he didn't move his entire life in 10 hours. So he's still got things to take care of. But the fact that he suited up- pandemic fam. Yes. The fact that he suited up and is just thrown into his job. Yeah. It wasn't a great 
it wasn't a great performance, but you know what? A lot of times when you see guys, you know, like switch teams and they get thrown into it and they usually have, you know, up to 72 hours. Some take, you know, a little less, some take, you know, 24, 36, whatever, 48 hours, but it's still tough. Like I remember when Trevor got traded to Atlanta or sorry, to Cincinnati, he met up with, no, I know he got traded. Sorry. He got got some news to break. Um, He got traded, but they're, he was meeting up with the team. The team was going to be in Atlanta playing the Braves. So he went to Atlanta. That was the first time he met up with the Reds and just him going out there and figuring out, you know, he's trying to text his teammates and figure out, okay, like, first of all, hi, nice to meet you guys. Uh, second of all, what time do your buses leave from the hotel? What time do you guys have stretch? What time, you know, all of these little things and, you know, talking, can I get the analytics guys number so I can get the scouting report, make sure he has it the right way. And it's tough. And he goes out there and you, you can tell he's like, you know, he had a okay performance and it was, he's like, yeah, I got some adjustments to make. I need to, you know, make sure I get on the same page kind of with my new catcher, things like that. But it's not easy. And there's a lot of, there's just a lot that I think people don't appreciate with how hard it is to make a trade or, you know, a transition that quickly um, when you get a mid-season trade. And so the fact that he didn't even wait 24 hours, yeah, you know, cut him some slack for, he didn't have the best performance, but. Right. Uh, Why don't we talk about that more? Because like, for me, it's like when I'm the new kid and I'm very confident, I can go into a room full of strangers and be okay. There's not that many people are like that. So I just imagine like, oh, not only do I have to go into a room full of strangers, but shove seven innings and be okay. Like but work with them too. Like yes. they need, like you have to be on the same page. First and like, third scenario. What the, well, I don't know. Like- <laughs> right. It's really, it's really tough. And I, so when I brought up, because we talked about this in the last episode and I, I posted on Instagram and I had done it. I did the same post, similar kind of caption the prior year. Cause I had talked about it, you know, with some other friends about how imagine if this happened in your real life. And that's when, you know, you were saying I would be traded for, you know, the lactic intern, $14 in a Qdoba gift card. Yes. yes that. Qdoba stuff too. Just shout out Qdoba. You're pretty lucky they followed you. Yeah. Um, I'm jealous, but <laughs> I need to get Taco Bell to follow me. Um, so true. Agent Rachel Lupa. It only it only seems it's right. Like literally, there's so many so many content opportunities. It's ridiculous. They're, yeah. yeah, they're really missing out here. But um, we're working on it. So, but look, like people when I post when I talk about that, the immediate reaction that I usually get from a good amount of people is always that, you know, well, they're paid so much. So who cares? And, you know, if I was paid millions and millions, like, okay, first of all, a lot of these guys are getting the minimum. So that's $560,000. So not millions, but okay. And either way, I don't care how many millions of dollars you have. It does not make it, it, sure, maybe the move, but the move doesn't even really matter, like in terms of the financial cost, because the other team does you know, cover it and help you, but they don't hire mover. You know, you have to either coordinate, figure out the movers. You have to figure out, 
you know, where you're going to live and if you have children, you have to think about them. You have yeah. to think about, yeah, it's not easy. It doesn't what about money in the world moves fucking suck the worst. And then what about if you have an infant and you need a new pediatric doctor, right? You got to go find all new doctors. You have to just like you get, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's stressful. And I don't care how much money you make being able, having to jump into a brand new team, a brand new environment and work together with other people that you don't know at all and are unfamiliar with and perform at the highest level and it's nationally televised and all of that stuff. And, you know, everyone expects you to be fantastic or else they're going to be really upset that their team made a trade for you. That's a lot of pressure and no amount of money can change that. So yeah. Yeah, That's a really interesting thing to think about too, because of all the press conferences I've done or media availability, nobody's asked, and I'm guilty of that. How are you adjusting to the move? Like, actually, when Mike Yastrzemski got traded, I was like, hey, how's it? Like, how's because, like, you look at him and he's a precious baby angel. You want to make sure he's okay. I was like, I'll help you move. You are that precious, you know, type of deal. Well, it's definitely something that that we tend to forget because obviously these players, they're not humans, Rachel. They're they're robots. I forgot. Yeah. Well, I was reading something last night, actually. I think it was a Ken Rosenthal article um, in The Athletic um, with about Marte, starting Marte and his move to Miami. And that was a, a I guess that was, you know, conversation amongst teams that they were worried about, you know, having him, him having to pick up and he, I think he has three, two or three young kids and have to move, you know, shortly, like a few months or what after his wife passed away and moved to a brand new city with ki- young kids and adjust. And I thought it was so cool. I, I, the Marlins decided, you know what? we think like, if anything, we would be the best fit. And this, like, they actually, you know, felt like we would be doing him almost, I don't want to say a favor in a way, because Miami is the closest city to his home in the DR. And they even picked up apparently, like already agreed to pick up his option for next year, the 12.5 million option, just so that he has some sort of sense of like stability. Now he'll be in Miami close, close to, you know, his, his home. And, um, but I thought that was, I thought that was really neat that, you know, in Rosenthal's article, how he talked about it, that that was something the teams with him, you know, that they considered, um, you know, from a, just a humane aspect of like, they're, they're humans, they're yeah. people. That happened with uh, Stephen Piscotti. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. With the, and, the, and the Cardinals and the fact that they threw baseball out the window, it was just, like, so Stephen Piscotti, what happened yeah. was the Cardinals, he, his mother was suffering from ALS. Um, and he's, he's a Bay area guy lives, uh, lives in Pleasanton about 25 minutes away from here. And, um, the Cardinals and A's did a trade just so he'd be close to his mother. His mother Gretchen did pass away due to complications of ALS, but it was such a good fit and such a good story. So when Piscotti was back with the rare times that the Cardinals played the A's, they, they just love him there. And so when those things happen, when baseball's thrown out the window and you're like, Oh, like, yeah, that's really, it's cool. that every now and then we do recognize that these are humans and it is, you know, more than just some business of trading humans around. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. And like, Every time a kid gets like his, his 
major league debut, that's when I'm reminded that it's more than a baseball game. And like, because their parents will be messaging me on Twitter, like, hey, can you do this? Do this? I'll sneak in a few photos of them. Like, oh, you didn't get that from me, which I hope it's fine. I said that it's whatever. We should, I'm just going to say acquired and acquisition just to say it because we didn't say it a lot. Today. Yeah. I mean, cheers to that, but. Maybe I'll pick the wine word next time. Yeah, I feel like I've been struggling with the wine word. I'm like, oh, we got this. And then the next thing you know, like, I think I need to stop thinking that the stuff I type in articles is are always conversational. Yeah, like what was the one? A vibe or something that vibe. you did? I was saying that a lot. And, like, and that, that, was, that was your worst wine word. And that's the thing, though. Like, I say vibe again. Like, I go through these things. I've been saying vibe a lot. And then I'll stop. And then now I'm, I'm doing the vibe thing again. I mean, it's, yeah, we, we need to, maybe we should put it out to the, like our followers and have them suggest it because so far when I choose it, yeah. Cause when I choose it, we get obliterated and just yeah. so drunk. Like I choose the word the, and, yeah. and then <laughs> use the word anytime Rachel takes a breath. <laughs> yeah. And then you choose, you know, words that are yeah. just like, when would we say that Jess? Right. I but, just we'll work on it. We'll have the, we'll have our followers give us a wine, which we hit over a thousand followers on Twitter. I know that was exciting. Yay for us. And this is our 12th episode. 12 or 13. Yeah. I forget. What? That's insane to me. I don't believe that. We're killing it. (laughs) You're killing it. Time flies and you're having fun. Well, I had a blast per usual, right? Yes. I'm glad we, acquired players we have acquired taste rachel <laughs> there we go so much better that could be it too maybe we got like intimidated because we're like but now we can actually use it in other forms well thanks for tuning in to this episode yeah. of Quirked up and we'll see you next week and yeah give us suggestions of wine words wine words always cheers Bye. cheers